Welcome to the Twimmel AI Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Charrington. All right, everyone. I am here in San Diego at KubeCon, and I am with Erez Cohen. Erez is Vice President for Cloud and AI at Mellanox. Erez, welcome to the Twimble AI Podcast. Thank you very much, Sam. Great to be here. Uh, awesome to be chatting with you. Uh, tell us a little bit about your background. So I am leading the cloud and AI at uh, Mellanox Technologies. I'm actually with the company for some time now, over 19 years. So been with the company from the very, very early days. I'm coming from an engineering background. I'm a computer engineer um, based out of Israel. And uh, over the past uh, five years or so, I'm focusing mostly on cloud and containerized infrastructure for uh, high-speed networking. And obviously, machine learning is a big part of it. Yeah, now I've been familiar with Mellanox for quite a while, primarily in the context of like, high-performance computing and InfiniBand and stuff like that. But uh, not too long ago, the company was acquired by NVIDIA, who is obviously has a big stake in deep learning and, and AI. What, what's the idea there? Yeah, so Mellanox was, you know, when we started, it was a networking company. And at the time, we focused on InfiniBand, which was the new generation of networking at the time that was supposed to Did I just be... date myself? I'm sorry? <laughs> Did I date myself? Yes, <laughs> definitely. Uh, you, if you know InfiniBand... Well, actually, to be honest, InfiniBand is still very much a very live uh, uh, technology. We Just this week, we have supercomputing conference, which is the large, uh, <clears throat> you know, gathering Super all the high-performance computers in Denver, exactly. And uh, uh, if you look at the top 500 strongest computers in the world today... Uh, a lot of them still run uh, InfiniBand, which is the most efficient, still interconnect, the highest performance, most of cost effective. So it's it's uh, it's it's 20 years old technology, but it's still the cutting edge, definitely mm -hmm. running, you know, in rates of 200 gigabit per second, which is phenomenal if you think about it. But Mellanox wasn't designed to be a high performance computing company. It was designed to be a networking company that provides the best interconnect for data centers in the world. And it doesn't matter if it is high-performance computing, when you're running 10,000 servers doing some crash simulation of the universe, mm -hmm. or you're running your uh, telecom infrastructure, or you're running your machine learning and big data. So if you look at the essence of networking, in the end of the day, it is similar to many of those applications. You need a very low latency, high bandwidth, very efficient and offloaded infrastructure. And this is exactly what Mellanox does. We do it in a way that it can fit a lot of different verticals. And um, machine learning and big data, and I will bundle them in a way together, even though they're not necessarily bundled together. But mm -hmm. uh, you know, if you look at uh, data analytics, machine learning is part of the data pipeline. And there's typically also big data because we usually work on large data sets. Uh, if you look at big data and machine learning, they have uh, many uh, high-performance networking requirements that I will talk probably about in a few minutes. Um, and this is where you know, a lot of the focus of Mellanox is these days. Um, we're looking at, ex at acceleration, accelerating networking and, and providing more efficient networking. And if you look at what NVIDIA does, uh, they do something very similar in a different domain. They're accelerating compute. Mm -hmm. 
And so it was very natural for a company like NVIDIA, who is accelerating compute and providing a much more efficient compute with GPUs, uh, to look at a company like Mellanox, which accelerate networking. And together, you know, we're forming the two or two and a half pillars of network or, or of clouds, basically, which is compute, networking, and also storage. The reason I'm saying two and a half pillars is, but is because there's a lot of networking in storage. Mm -hmm. So we're touching, uh, Mellanox is touching mostly networking and storage, in a sense, the networking part of the storage. And we're moving a lot of compute into the networking. We can talk about that. And NVIDIA is focusing a lot about, you know, the compute, the engines themselves. Okay. Uh, so you've got a talk here at the conference tomorrow on networking optimizations for multi-node deep learning on Kubernetes. Uh, you know, when I think about deep learning and in particular the training phase of deep learning, I think of that as a primarily a compute-bound process, compute-bound exercise. You know, why do we care about networking in that? Exactly. This is exactly the point. It is a compute-bound <laughs> process. Uh -huh. And one one of the ways to solve compute-bound processes is to add more compute, mm -hmm. uh, what we call scale-out. Now, mm -hmm. when you add more compute to distribute the workload so that it can run faster, you're hitting a networking situation. Um, if you look at uh, models today, models grew enormously over the, the past uh, several years. Uh, it's not in several percentages, you know, 100 and, or 200x the size six years ago. And the computation time and complexity is enormous. We see some models training takes weeks on, on, on the state-of-the-art GPUs or multiple GPUs. Uh, and the only way to shorten this time, and it has to be shortened because we need those learning phases to happen much frequently than you know, once every three weeks, mm -hmm. is to scale out. So basically we add multiple servers, each of them with multiple GPUs, and the, the expectation or the plan is that the more servers you add, you reduce the time in a, in a linear manner. That's, that's kind of our goal, right? So if it takes me one hour uh, with a single server, adding two servers, I would love to have it in half an hour. And if I have 60 servers, it should take a minute. And you, know, you can do the math from here, right? Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, it's not that easy, just adding <laughs> servers and cutting the time. What happens is that you have now a distributed problem. Uh, moving a, uh, a, a problem that runs on a single GPU to run on multiple GPU and multiple nodes requires a lot of synchronization, requires a lot of data that needs to go between the servers in a very efficient way. And this is exactly where the networking is really making a big difference. Mm. Yeah, our listeners probably have heard of things like distributed TensorFlow and Horovod and other technologies that are more focused on kind of the software aspect of that and the coordination, the state, uh, the shared state that enables distributed training. But you're saying that's not, that's, that's part. part of it, that's but part not of all it. of it. Right, that's part of it. Now, yeah, so that definitely, I mean, if you look at distributed uh, TensorFlow and things like Horovod, which all they do is they try to improve the way uh, the workers communicate with each other. You know, the very kind of basic, uh, most uh, simple approach was to have uh, a kind of uh, a node that is doing all the coordination. So, you know, you have X amount of uh, uh, workers and they uh, do 
training of a mini batch, a small set of the data, and then they send the information, the, the gradient vector to the to the to that server that usually we call it parameter server. He would gather all the gradients from all the nodes. We'll do some crashing of the data and distribute new 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 uh, weights uh, for the for the different computes, and they would do that over and over again in iteration. Uh, that is a very naive implementation. Obviously, when you look at large-scale models, every node will send tens or more of gigabit per second to a single node that needs later on to you know, crash it locally and distribute. That, that doesn't scale. That doesn't work, right? Mm -hmm. So Horovod and uh, um, other solutions try to look at uh, different ways of doing this, what we call collective operation. Collective operation in the sense that uh, you have a number of nodes that are working in a collective way on a single problem and they need to synchronize each other, right? Um, so sending to a single server and get it back is one very simple way. And then there are other ways like rings that each send to these neighbors and, and so on. Um, those are all ways to drive the synchronization in a much more efficient way. But in the end of the day, you actually send and receive data. And you send and receive data in large quantities that needs to be very low latency. You don't want to burden your CPUs with all this data sending and receiving. And uh, a lot of the data that you send is not necessarily originating in the GPU, in the host memory, it is in the GPU memory. Mm -hmm. The question is, how do you send data from GPU through the network. Mm. Again, the simple implementation is copy that data to the host memory and then copy it again to the network buffers and then send it out. Right. That's a very, very uh, inefficient way to do that. So it, um, It's inefficient, but again, it, for a CPU-bound, compute-bound problem, rather, uh, we're not as worried about latency. Why do we... So think about how, it, how does it work. You do the uh, training on a, on a mini-batch. Yeah. Everybody, you know, you have X amount of servers, they all do this training, and then they do the communication phase. Now, mm -hmm. if the communication phase is long, then, and you do those cycles hundreds of thousands or millions of mm. time, that's, this adds up. It adds up. Significantly adds up. Okay. I, I can tell you that when we use technologies like RDMA, which is an advanced transport service, or GPU Direct, which is a way to send and receive data from the GPU, we can improve the total system efficiency by multiple Xs. Hmm. And those systems are very expensive. You know, if you look at, a, I don't know, a, a 10-node GPU system with eight GPUs each, that's a, that's a lot of money. If you can yeah. do 2X performance... You just save several million dollars. Or bought yourself another system. Exactly. <laughs> and this is only networking. Yeah, yeah. And this is what people don't realize. Actually, actually, people do realize. I mean, if you look at all the big guys, all the hyperscalers, they all run this technology already for many years. Mm. They're running RDMA and they're running GPU Direct and they are now looking at uh, additional technologies that we bring to move some of the computation into the network, actually. Um, called Sharp. Uh, we just announced it in uh, uh, supercomputing. Uh, it will be part of Nickel. Nickel is the NVIDIA communication library. Uh, so it will be available together with Nickel. So we kind of talked about the setup and why all this is important. And then we've been rattling off a bunch of different technologies that play a role in here. I imagine part of your presentation was kind of walking through you know, that stack or, you know, the evolution of technologies. Uh, is yes. this a good time to drill into, like, you know, what is GPU Direct and RDMA and Nickel and Sharp and all these things? 
Yeah, so the, the talk will be talking about the challenges that we just discussed. Yep. And uh, very briefly talk about RDMA and GPU Direct as two key technologies that enable better networking. And then it will go and talk about the actual implementation in Kubernetes. So we are in KubeCon after all. And mm -hmm. one of the things we want to make sure is we can enable um, advanced platforms like a Kubernetes cluster to take advantage of these technologies. It doesn't come up free. You know, if you look at Kubernetes, um, networking in Kubernetes is, is, is very naive in a sense still. I mean, it is evolving, obviously. It's, it's mm -hmm. a new... Uh, platforms or, or framework and it is evolving very fast now you know you could say the amount of people here in the conference it's it's mm -hmm. amazing to see how much energy and how much uh, uh, enthusiasm uh, there is here mm -hmm. um, and we you know networking will evolve what we are trying to do Mellanox together with the uh, uh, partners in the ecosystem, and definitely NVIDIA is a big part. By the way, they're part of the talk. They're, it's actually a joint talk between uh, NVIDIA and Mellanox. Is we are trying to make uh, uh, Kubernetes networking to be able to consume advanced network solutions um, in a very natural, upstream, standard, transparent way. Okay. This is really, and, and the talk is talking about mostly that. Obviously, we need to go through the concept of what are we trying to solve and, and what are, are the technologies. But we will try mostly to focus about how do we integrate it into Kubernetes and then talk a little bit about, that will be the NVIDIA side. They're running this at scale in a large clusters. And they will talk about what do you need to do in your data center in order to properly run this, uh, and what's the best practices. Okay. Um, so that will be the talk mostly. Okay. Well, let's continue. We're kind of running through the, the technologies and um, the acronyms that you know, yeah. we're throwing around, and then we'll d dive into the Kubernetes sure. piece. So um, the, the, uh, I just throw three different technologies, RDMA uh, and uh, GPU Direct. Those are the ones that we'll talk on the, on the talk mm -hmm. uh, tomorrow. And uh, Sharp, I just mentioned it. It will not be part of the talk, but I'll be happy okay. to explain. RDMA is Remote Direct Memory Access. Mm -hmm. And this is a technology which, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a transport service, if you like. It's, it's been around for a while, is, right? Yeah, it, it came from the Infiniband days. Mm -hmm. um, it is a transport mm -hmm. service, very much like TCP or UDP. I think most of the listeners uh, at least heard about TCP and UDP, but unlike those TCP and UDP, it was designed in 2000 rather than the 70s of uh, mm -hmm. the last uh, decade, uh, and it is much more advanced. Uh, it has few very important capabilities. First is the notion of read and write versus only send and receive. In TCP or UDP, you just send a packet and somebody on the other side needs to get it and decide what to do with that. It is a send-receive mechanism. Uh, RDMA allows you not only to do send and receive, but actually write to a specific the memory address on the remote host or read from there, mm. just like a local DMA. Uh, and that's opened up a lot of very interesting uh, uh, use cases for writing applications. Uh, it really changed how you write your application. So this is one thing. The other thing is uh, um, something called kernel bypass in uh, TCP and UDP, uh, an application that wants to send and receive data will um, do a socket call, and then it will go to the Linux kernel or Windows kernel or whatever kernel, and the kernel will do a bunch of work preparing the packet and send it out. So mm -hmm. there's a lot of dependencies on the kernel. 
in uh, RDMA, you just, from the user space, can send and receive data directly. Uh, and there's no, basically, kernel involvement at all. So it allows you first low, very low latency. Uh, you know, we're looking at microsecond latency, sending and receiving packet versus, you know, at least order of magnitude higher when you look at TCP, minimum. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the fact that you don't go to the kernel and the NIC itself, the network adapter, implements all the transport in hardware, allows you to move enormous amount of data without any CPU utilization. Which means that, you know, if, if anybody been working on high-performance networking, you know that you need to tweak the kernel and the CPUs like crazy to get, you know, the juice out of the, mm -hmm. of the network. With Infinibend, it's not the case, or with RDMA, it's not the case. You mm -hmm. just, you know, tell it to send, and it will send 100 gigabit without CPU. 200 gig doesn't really matter. Mm -hmm. RDMA is available on Infinibend initially, but now it's a part of Ethernet as well. It's a standard. It's... Uh, it's not a proprietary interconnect. Mm -hmm. so and is it available on any kind of enterprise Ethernet NIC or yeah so in in the Mellanox is definitely one of the leaders in this space we've been doing that for 20 years uh, these days all the network adapters have uh, Ethernet I would argue uh, they have RDMA I would argue that Mellanox is a far more rich, feature rich and stable uh, I would expect nothing less yeah <laughs> but uh, you know there's uh, the benefits of uh, experience I guess and so it my guess then is that GPU Direct is RDMA for GPU memory? Exactly. So, exactly right. So, the RDMA allows you to write and read directly to memory. So, the NIC can access the host memory. There's a lot of uh, relationship in RDMA between the NIC and the host memory, and there's a lot of mechanism that allows it to be very efficient, including like an IOMMU implemented on the NIC. And a, a what? IOMMU. IOMMU? Yeah, I'm sorry for all the hackers. But this is basically a mechanism that uh, makes sure that you write the data to the right address in the memory and that you're allowed to do that. So there's, okay. uh, you know, you don't expect... So like input-output memory something unit or whatever? Uh, I would say, yeah, this is, this is an in, typically an Intel uh, uh, component of the server. Um, Got it. But, but the, the point is that if you think about it, when a, when, when, when a remote host writes to your memory of local host, uh, this memory may be, you know, uh, in different physical, you know, there's virtual addresses and physical addresses. So you need somebody to make sure that first you're allowed and you're not breaching and there's security breaches right. and then that you're writing to the right place because memory keep, the physical memory kept on shifting and mm -hmm. changing. So so there, there, there is a mechanism to, to make sure that the memory is, is intact properly. Um, GPU Direct is a, a co-development that uh, NVIDIA and Mellanox did together. Actually, it started a while back. It started from the high-performance computing days when, inter when uh, NVIDIA started getting into this uh, space. Uh, I, I, I think it was over 10 years ago. I'm not, I, don't, I don't remember the exact date, but uh, at least over 10 years ago. And basically what it allows, it allows the NIC and the GPU to be able to communicate over PCI directly without going through the host memory. And so there's no CPU intervention, there's no copies, there's no lot of other challenges, blockers, and, and, and so on that that we had before. And, and that really opens up a huge bottleneck that uh, uh, GPU networking had. Mm -hmm. All those copies took a lot of time and they killed performance completely and they, and they synced up a lot of CPU uh, cycles for that. So th that is GPU direct, it is, almost transparent there's some 
because the NIC and the GPU need to talk, there, there's some system requirements that needs to be met on how the PCI layout is done and where's the NIC and where's the you know uh, GPU. It is especially important with the large GPU boxes. And typically in large GPU boxes, you will see that there's you know eight GPUs in a box, like the DGX one, for example. And there's a very interesting PCI structure. It is not a single PCI switch that connects all the GPUs and the next there uh, there's a, a topology that and then you need to be very careful on which NIC talks to which GPU to enable GPU direct. But other than that, uh, it is quite transparent for the user if they use the right drivers and, and applications. Mm -hmm. The last technology that I mentioned, and this is not going to be on the talk, is is Sharp. 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 Yeah. Okay. Um, I explained earlier about the need to uh, get all the vectors from when you do the, the distributed training, you get all the vector to a single location that mm -hmm. does some crunching and, and redistribute the new weight vector. Um, uh, what if you could do that instead of a server or in a ring, do that on the network itself? Hmm. So this is what Mellanox does. Basically, we uh, in our InfiniBand switches, and this is specifically for InfiniBand right now, we added a capability to run compute inside the network. So doing the uh, uh, what we call reduction, the, the vector reduction, uh, we do that actually on the switch, switch systems themselves. And we can do that in line rate with through a lot of many ports. You know, those switches has 30, 30 ports or... Uh, 40 ports depends on the generation. So the switch is not the adapters. The adapter sends the, the data to the switch. Yep. Each server sends the vector of the gradients to the switch. Mm -hmm. And the switch, think, let's say that it has, let's say, 30 ports. It gets 30 such streams. Mm -hmm. The switch will do the reduction. We'll get mm -hmm. all the vectors. We'll do some crunching. And we will redistribute that to the servers to continue the next phase of the training. Mm -hmm. And that allows you to open up a lot of bottlenecks. And is the the crunching that the switch is doing, is it like how configurable is that? Is it, you know, there's the way that it does it uh, today or the, the kind of the way that, you know, Mellanox says that it should do it? Or is it uh, a software defined thing where I can have a strategy and push it to the switch and it's going to do what I want? Is it so, so to what, good, how generalized is yeah, yeah. the compute available on so, the switch? So it's, a good, it's a good question. One of the things that I haven't mentioned is our strategy around software. Okay. Mellanox is a very open source centric company. Okay. Um, you know, we do, we believe the best hardware. Mm -hmm. uh, and we, the software piece is all upstream first. We, everything we do is upstream and non, uh, uh, not private or, or no, no black box software. Mm -hmm. Uh, we try to open up everything and have standard APIs. Mm -hmm. As part of this, for Sharp, for example, we have uh, standard APIs that is developed as part of the RDMA interface. Okay. Um, and then, from a software perspective, you know, it's just a standard API. The hardware implementation, obviously, there is some flexibility, but that's, I think, less of the point. The point is that any application that uses uh, a standard open source API can take advantage of any hardware that implements this API capabilities. Mm -hmm. um, specifically for our implementation, it is flexible, but the flexibility is not exposed outside. It's exposed through those standard APIs. Okay. Okay. So the the idea then would be that 
somewhere between Mellanox and NVIDIA, you would identify what the strategies are of interest, whether it's Horovod or distributed TensorFlow or something else, and make the module available for the switch? Yeah, so the way you consume this is yeah. through applications that do distributed training. Now, yeah. obviously, the, the market is quite... Um, active with a lot of different projects and, and, and so on. Mm -hmm. uh, we try to focus on the most uh, dominant uh, frameworks. Uh, TensorFlow is definitely one of the frameworks we see for, for performance-oriented uh, environments, which is the mostly used. Mm -hmm. um, and we work mostly with TensorFlow, not only, not limited. We also work with PyTorch and Cafe and others. But uh, uh, definitely TensorFlow is where we invest more of, more of our time. We're part of the community, the you know, open source community of TensorFlow. If you look at the distributed implementation today, the most common configuration, it's like a Lego, you can put it in multiple ways, but if I try to look at what is common in the industry today, people will typically use uh, uh, TensorFlow together with Horovod and Nickel. Nickel is the, um, the distributed uh, library of NVIDIA. Uh, it usually look at uh, how do you do the same challenge of distributing workload, but within a server, right? In a server, you have multiple GPUs. You also need to distribute the workload between those GPUs. Mm -hmm. That's kind of a very similar way. And then when they scale out to multiple servers, they use RDMA and GPU Direct and all those technologies. So what okay. we we put, we layer those together, Nickel, uh, or TensorFlow, and then Nickel, and then Horovod. And the library that enables Sharp and RDMA and uh, GPU Direct is Nickel. Okay. And that is something that will be available very soon. Now, it's not limited to Nickel. I mean, anybody can use that. It's an open mm -hmm. source. Anybody, if there's somebody here in the uh, of the audience that listen and want to enable that for PyTorch, we, we definitely can do that. There's no problem. Mm -hmm. And so then real quick, the Kubernetes piece of this, like we're talking about hardware and network adapters. You know, I'm a, there's part of me that says, you know, this stuff is in the box, the kind of host operating system you know, has drivers for all this stuff. Like, why do we care about this at the Kubernetes level? What Excellent are the challenges questions. there? Excellent question. You know, somebody once said that uh, advanced or very smart silicon is nothing but very expensive sand if you don't have the right software, mm. right? So mm -hmm. everything I said here, if you remember, is talking about how do I connect the application directly to the hardware almost, right? Mm -hmm. All the bypasses and all the acceleration. You're looking at layers that provide direct connectivity as much as possible from the application mm -hmm. all the way to the hardware. Right. And when you go to virtualization or, or containerization, you actually go the opposite direction, right? You go and you add software layers like service meshes and all the other things you hear, SDNs and so on, that all they want to do is virtualize the network mm -hmm. and provide a layer that uh, completely disconnect the application from physical uh, resources mm. like network adapters. So you're trying to couple the two to right. gain so, imp uh, optimization, but these things are trying to decouple the two. So, so I think it's they're not exactly working against each other. Each of them is looking for a different direction, and what we try to do is marry all the direction to something which is cohesive and high performance. So, what what all those SDN software defined networks and and service meshes and and virtualization technologies are trying to do is to, they're trying to provide you 
layers of standardization, so you don't have to write your application multiple times for different hardware, and um, automations and all the other goodies like provision network through code, software defined, and so on. This is very important. You do want to have a controller that you set security elements, you set uh, behaviorals, you, you create networks and ports and so everything in software. But at the same time, if you add multiple layers of software, you have the flexibility, you have the features, you don't have the efficiency, you don't have the performance, which, you know, you're kind of shooting yourself in the leg. Right. Uh, and, and what we are trying to do is we are trying to provide a high performance together with all the flexibility. So we're trying to marry software-defined service meshes and all these technologies and still allow in a transparent manner and without any compromises to run in full bare metal kind of performance. You know, you're getting the same performance as you would get with a bare metal server mm -hmm. in a very highly virtualized, containerized environment. This is the challenge that we are, we are trying to address. And so is there, is there a solution? Is there a, yes, a project or something that yeah, people definitely. can go take a look at? What is that? Absolutely. So it's called Kubernetes. We're doing that as part of Kubernetes, right? Okay, so, so it's going to get baked a, into... In, in Kubernetes, we are developing a CNI. CNI is a networking uh, plugin. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, Kubernetes has those... Uh, this concept of CNIs, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, we are today using a CNI uh, for uh, technology called SRIOV, which is a PCI technology. I don't think we have a lot of time to go yeah. through that, but that is the direction that uh, we provide a direct connectivity. Uh, it's still not fully complete. There's more and more things that will go in, like uh, SDN offloads and other things that today are available for, say, solution like VMware or OpenStack and other places. Kubernetes is still young, um, and but we are working. We're working on this with a lot of partners in the open source community, mm -hmm. where basically we want to provide the full, flexible, secure network with the highest performance possible. Awesome. Well, Edis, thanks so much for taking the time to walk through all this stuff. Really great sure. conversation. My pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right, everyone. That's our show for today. To learn more about today's guest or the topics mentioned in this interview, visit twimmelai.com. Of course, if you like what you hear on the podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcatcher. Thanks so much for listening and catch you next time.